Hello, my friends. Today we are talking to Steve, the co-founder of Bespoke Post, and we discuss their journey from startup accelerator to a successful subscription service, overcoming technological challenges as an organization scales, and how to process feedback and advice while moving the business forward. All of this right here, right now on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. It's Steve. Wow. Dude, I'm so excited. I you you brought you brought me gifts, Steve. I know, right? This is this has got to be the coolest thing ever. I don't think this has ever happened before. This is amazing. Good. Glad to hear what we sent you uh switchback, which is some outdoor stuff and weekender, right? I don't know. We're so we're supposed to unbox them on the show. Oh, we are. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. But first, I I figured we'll we'll save that for a few minutes. And first, I want to know about like you and how did you get on this crazy journey to to start this company and to be a part of it? How did you get this idea? How did you get started with this? Yeah. So it's funny because I feel like it's not the it, it's not the sexiest story in the world, but it's the truth. So what happened was my co-founder Rishi and I we were in business school at Kellogg Northwestern. And we were going through the standard recruiting process. A lot of people get job offers very early in the cycle, way before you graduate. And we thought, oh, let's let's join a startup. Maybe I'll maybe I'll join a smaller company. And I didn't even really know much about startups or what they were, but I thought it'd just be a cool thing to try. And so we started pursuing that avenue, thinking about different companies at the time uh, that were that were well known. And around spring break or so, we thought, well, why don't we just try a business on our own instead of joining the startup? And so we started kicking around a few ideas. And at the time, accelerator programs were just starting to get to come on the scene. And so we applied to a bunch of different accelerator programs with this business idea. And we got into one in New York. And so we left. We hadn't even graduated yet. We moved to New York. I stayed in a friend's place for a little bit. And we just went through this accelerator program. But the idea that we got into wasn't it wasn't bespoke post at all. It was a completely different business idea, uh, and it was. What was it? It's almost embarrassing to talk about, but it was, <laughs> it was a QR code advertising play, and it 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 really didn't make very much sense for a lot of different reasons. Part of it's just because our background wasn't in advertising at all. But another big one is we were going, we were walking around the streets in New York. And we'd see all, at the time, there were all these QR codes. Our office was in Times Square, and there were these big billboards with QR codes. And we kind of, we'd go, so we'd go around looking at these QR codes and scanning them and things like that. And at one point towards the end of the summer, we looked at each other and said, is anybody else, have you ever seen anybody scan a QR code other than the two of us? And, and the answer was no. <laughs> and so we came to this realization that this business was not very viable. But the accelerator program we were in, it was their first year as well. So they were a startup. And we came to them right before the end of the program. And at the end of the program, they have these demo days where you unveil your class to these investors and it's this big thing. And so two or three weeks before demo day, we went to them and said, hey, we just don't believe in this business anymore. We don't think it's viable. And they looked at us and said, well, okay, but you better come up with something. And so basically the concept for Bespoke Post we came up with, I mean, it was basically more like a school PowerPoint presentation. There was really no business. We kind of concepted it in about a week and we presented it to a bunch of people and we thought, well, we'll, we'll see what kind of reaction we got. And, and people seemed to think it was interesting, but it was kind of, it, it was nice because we, it, it felt a little bit free, freeing because we were working on this other business that just wasn't working. And so we thought, well, what are we actually good at? What are our skill sets and what are we interested in? And so it did sort of organically come, although it came under this pressure of you need to present something to these investors next week so that you don't make this accelerator program look bad. And so we thought about what we were interested in. I have a supply chain background. Uh, my co-founder Rishi is kind of, uh, he, he would he would laugh, but he's kind of more of a tastemaker at the company than I am. And at the time there wasn't really much out there within the e-commerce space for men. We're not focused exclusively on men anymore, but at the beginning we were. And so that's, that's how the basic idea came together. And we thought, well, what if each month we introduced guys to something interesting that we think they should know about? And that, oh. was basically, that was basically the concept. And so we launched 30 days after we presented a demo day, and then we've kind of been at it ever since. 
That is amazing. And you guys are crushing it too, because when we did the prep for this call, my producer and like associate producer were like, all right, we get ads from these people all the time. Their marketing <laughs> game is on point. And I said, okay, here we go. We'll compliment their, their marketing and advertising teams. It's good to hear. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to open one of these. So I've got this bigger, long, like I pre, uh, I pre-opened the tape, but I did not peek okay. yet. But you haven't but, seen it yet. All right. No, 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 no. So this is like a longer one and I open it up and it says Weekender. It's got a little letter on the back there. A little Ooh. description. Yeah. So this is like a, it's like a manly storage bag. That's right. For, yep. For like camping. I mean, that's what I'm going to use. You it could for. Take a I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people take it for maybe a two night trip or if they're just going for a day trip somewhere. It's not, you know, it, it's not, uh, it, it's not for a long vacation. It's, it's, it's for a few nights worth of clothes, but it's, it's one of our most popular products. We've been doing it for a while. It's actually from, I mean, originally these were tool bags. We actually bought the first set from a tool company and oh, really? we repurposed it, called it Weekender. And then obviously, as you can see, we've kind of put our own touches on it, done different colors and things like that ever since. It feels solid though. It feels like rugged. Yeah. Nice. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And then, so what is this blowfish for hangovers? Yeah. So those are, those are hangover pills. It's basically caffeine and aspirin. Uh, okay. So they just, Hey, maybe you went on a trip, might need some hangover pills and uh, you just pop it in some water, fizzes up. And that's kind of, you know, those are, those are, so we throw a few little extras. I mean, the centerpiece is obviously the bag. That's, that's what you're, that's what you're really um, that, that, that's, that's the prime item. And then we kind of throw some nice things that we think will complement a weekend trip. So I know you, you talked with McKenzie and the team over here to like, get me some general boxes, but what makes you guys special is like, you have an, an algorithms that like get to know us and then we'll send me stuff that I would like. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's a few, I mean, I think there's a few things that make our business unique. One of them is just the sheer product variety that we offer. And so when you sign up, you take a quick profile quiz, answer a few questions about what type of product. So for example, travel is one of the categories that we'll ask you about. And so if you said you were very interested in travel, you'd be more likely to get something like the Weekender bag. But we span quite a few different categories. And so it's all about people are signing up for discovery. So we do travel, but then we also do camping and outdoor gear. We do kitchen, which is a very popular category, barware. We do clothes, we do a little bit of clothing and apparel as well. So there's home decor. So there's all these different categories that you could potentially receive things around. Uh, so we're not sending you the same types of products every single month. And so you tell us what you like and what you don't like. You kind of set those guardrails for us. So if you're like, hey, I don't really drink, I'm not interested in the barware, we're just not going to send you any of that. But I'm really into camping, I'm really into travel. Okay, then we're going to send you more of those types of things. And that's sort of our baseline, uh, those, those initial guardrail questions that, that, that we'll build a profile on to send you things. And then obviously the longer you're with us, the more we're gonna learn about you and the, the better we'll get at making recommendations for you each month. But what about like my brother? He's really into like different whiskeys and stuff. And so he's, he's big into that. And then he's into photography. Is there features for me to be able to like click those categories and send a box as like a present to, to my brother. So there's a few things. Yeah. There, there's a few different ways you could do that. You could literally just say, I like this product and send it to your brother. Okay. And by the way, if you were a subscriber, you would, you would know exactly what you're getting beforehand. So the way it would work for you is you said, Hey, I'm interested in travel. We would show you the weekender bag before we even shipped it to you. And you'd have the opportunity to skip it if you didn't want it. So there's no surprises or anything. You know exactly what you're getting beforehand. And so let's say we, we showed you the, the Weekender bag and you said, hey, this is cool. I'll send it to my brother. You could do that. You could also get a gift subscription. And in that case, they'd fill out their own profile and kind of go through their own process of saying, okay, these are the things that I like. Uh, and, and then we would basically do the same thing, send things over to their way. That is really cool. And you got some food here. You can see you got some energy bars. All right, I get it. It's the theme. You've got the weekend bag. You've got the energy bars. You've got the hangover cure. I love it. By the way, that bag, I'm legitimate. I don't have to return this, do I? Like I can keep this. No, no. Okay. (laughs) I am legitimately going to use this because you'd be surprised. I actually, we just got for Christmas, we got like a a camper, you know, for the family Uh so we could go around. Uh, it's like just a pool behind. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so I've never had one before. I never towed anything before. So it's an entire learning experience, but 
you know, we want to pack everything up for the weekend and like go. And we were just figuring out our storage stuff. And actually my, my daughter and my son and my wife all have these like duffel bags and I did not. And so I was like, oh, should I, I need to buy a duffel bag or something. And then this arrives and I'm like, yes, now I, I'm completely, <laughs> I'm completely set in that arena. So this worked out Perfect. super, super well, man. Thank you. Good, good. Yeah. And it can get a little rough, you know, you're going camping and it's okay if it gets a little dirty. That's part of the, it, it, it'll hold up. Yeah. So, so this would be the weekender. And then over here, we've got something else. People are going to be like, talk about technology leadership. All right. <laughs> give me one challenge you overcame as a technology leader growing right. this business. Well, I think, I mean, one of them, I mean, this is not, maybe not, this is very common, right? But part of it's just been scaling as our user base has grown. And so the solutions that we come up with very early on are basically just to get the job done and, and they're good enough. And uh, and then as you grow, what, what we're kind of finding is that some of the problems we run into scale exponentially, meaning like if we grow our subscriber base by 50%, the problem's not, it's not taking 50% longer to, 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 to accomplish the previous task. It's taking... 300% longer because, because everything's just getting much more complex and you're sort of building things on top of things on top of things. And so one of the things we've been working on, and actually, I mean, we just kind of had a, a bit of a come to Jesus moment this month, because when we, what we call flip the switch, when we sort of launch all of our product, what we're doing is we're really saying, okay, here's what each individual subscriber is going to be getting this month. And so we're building all of those orders in the background. We're using all of their preferences to sort of determine what it is that they're going to get or their basic profile. And then there's sort of a moment where we flip the switch and say, okay, it's live. And people are waiting on site. They're clicking refresh, trying to see what, what it is that they're going to be getting. That whole process is something that even just recently we're, we're finding as we grow the number of users we have and as there's more complexity to the business is, is getting difficult to scale. And so we're sort of, you know, reconfiguring the, the the guts of how everything is built and, uh, and and making sure that we also have room to grow because we can't just, it's not just a matter of like getting, you know, it used to take to deploy uh, all of our emails an hour or so. And we found last month it took five or six hours, which is just way too long. So people, you know, so, so how do we, how do we sort of speed up that whole process where we're flipping the switch and getting things out to our customers more quickly? So just like the sheer volume of emails because of the amount of customers has grown. Right, and it's not just emails, but yeah, it's kind of the whole thing. Yep, yeah, exactly. The whole process just is taking way longer. So you have to look at, so you're you're looking at both technological innovation, things that you can do to speed up that, but also just business process changes? It is a bit of both, yeah. I mean, because, because we're sort of looking at the different teams, our marketing team is sort of the ones that are deploying the emails, for example. So what's the cadence that they use, that they go through to deploy those? But then also, we just need to increase the throughput, right? Like how quickly we can process all of these orders and how quickly we can process all of these emails. And so it's kind of a combination. So how do we sort of put put our minds together and figure out how, how, to, how, how to make this happen a little bit more quickly? Well, it seems like you're well-suited. I saw that you did some work for Deloitte, which I've got to talk to their CTO. It seems like a really great company. Did you learn like a lot of great problem-solving skills through consulting? I mean, a lot of that, so that was more on the supply chain side of things. And, and to be clear, I'm, a, I'm more of, a, I'm, I'm one of the co-founders and effectively kind of more of a co-CEO. So I'm not a developer myself, uh, but I manage that team. And so a lot of what I learned there was more on the inventory planning side, which is also kind of a very interesting and complex problem we have because we're showing all of our customers exactly what they're going to get beforehand, which is a great customer benefit, but it also introduces unpredictability into the business model because we don't know how, we don't know for certain how many people are going to purchase the weekender bag, for example, if we, if that's their selection in a given month. And so we need a lot of processes in place to make sure that we don't have too much inventory, but also that we have just enough. And that's, I think that, that was sort of where my background there came into play. Okay. So you're going to, so like if I'm a customer, you flip the system, right? It yep. runs, you make it live. It shows me, I might get this weekender bag that I have right here. And I can say, yes, I want it, or I can skip it, but it, you're trying to guesstimate how many people are going to want that and reference that back to your inventory. That's right. And to complicate it even more, you could pick one of our other 20 some options if you didn't want the weekender bag. So what do you just have giant warehouses? How do you manage all of this? We do, yeah, but then we also use data to sort of inform what we think is going to move and, and who's going to move into, you know, what, what we think basically uh, the, the sell-through rate is going to be. Ooh, you guys have some pretty crazy prediction algorithms. Are, are you noticing that they're 
like highly accurate or what's what's like the accuracy of your per, like algorithms of of are people going to click you know it's funny on? because the team thinks it's very the, the team's often like oh no like we sold out of this like how could we let this happen but i always tell them you know you are inevitably going to sell out of some things you can't be perfect uh, the only way to not sell out of anything is to be so conservative that you have a lot of inventory on hand and so it's it's really a very it's a very difficult balance to reach but what we sort of do is we'll look at the performance of a product previously, if we've run it before, if we haven't run it before. So if it's a brand new product, like Weekender, we've run many times before. We launched that many, many years ago. So we have a lot of data on how something like that's going to perform. And so we can reasonably make predictions that say, okay, these people are, you know, how many people are going to skip? And then how many people are going to switch into a given product? That sounds like so much fun. (laughs) That's a little bit easier, but if we've never run it before, there's a lot more uncertainty if it's a brand new product that we're launching, because we're also launching new product every month that we've never run before. And so on, on something like that, again, because we're showing people exactly what they get, they're going to get, and they have the opportunity to skip it. We don't know if, if it's going to be really successful or less successful until we actually run it. And so we'll sort of put, what we'll sort of do is put confidence intervals around and say, okay, this is a new launch. This is the category it falls into. We know certain categories tend to perform better than others. And so we'll start to put confidence intervals around new product launches and uh, and then we'll launch it. And then the next time we run it, we'll be better at predicting how well that's going to do. I like that. That word sounds cool too, confidence intervals. <laughs> <laughs> so have you found that like a specific type of person, developer is really good to recruit, for example, I was talking to to one individual who was doing some data science stuff and they said people in that come from like marketing analytics, we we tend to recruit from that industry because they have these skills that are transferable over to what we're doing. But if we just advertise, you know, jobs for what we were doing, people would be like, what? So we know that we can translate these skills over. For all the things you have going on on the teams that you manage, have you found any like trends of 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 like if people are listening and they're like, oh, I'm in this industry and maybe I want to go work for like bespoke post. Yeah. I mean, for our teams, and and we sort of look at the data analytics a little bit differently than the engineering, although they obviously work together on on some of these big problems. But for both roles, a real innate understanding of the business is really important because you cannot, it's very hard because we have so many different product runs to look at just data elements and, and, and sort of make predictions in terms of what's going to be successful. You kind of have to understand what the products are and have a really like an understanding of the merchandise itself to be successful. And so we found that's the case on the data analytics side. And what can happen is if you go too, if you get too analytical with some of these algorithms and things like that, it, 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 it kind of just doesn't work for us. And I think it's because we're just, we're not running, we're not running a, lot of frequent data points on very similar items, right? Like if all we did was sold shirts, you could sort of say like, okay, like let's see how all the red shirts do. Let's see what if Henley's versus button downs. Like there's like a lot of very discrete debt data elements that you could start to look at and kind of objectively make predictions on. Our challenge is that the products are so different. So like if weekend are successful, why is it that it's successful? Is it because it's a bag? Is it because of is it because you got blue? If you're comparing that to a pasta maker, right? How do you sort of distinguish between those two and, and, and get a really good understanding of why one was successful and one wasn't? The products are so different that they're almost kind of one and one and the same. And so, a lot of the people that we work with, they really need to kind of understand these different products and how they come together and uh, and be able to use sort of intuition to supplement with data. To, to build systems that are that are good at sort of allocating all of these all of this inventory and and also the selections that we make for people each month. So, have you guys ever experimented with any features like if I let you into like auth authenticated into like all my social networks or something and gave you a bunch of my data, you could tell me what I would like? Have you ever gone there? We have not done anything with external social networks. What we have introduced is we're starting to ask more and more questions on site. And what we found is just asking specific pro- questions about specific products can be really helpful. And we're making that part of our, our, so our merchandising team, which they are not technology people per se, right? They're, they're the ones who are responsible for picking new products and putting them together 
and negotiating with our brand partners to bring them to bring them to life. But they're now using a lot of the tools that our our engineering team is building to help inform the decisions that they make. And so as a subscriber, you can come on board and you can start answering questions. So we might literally just say, hey, we're working on this concept for a new winter blanket for the fall. Are you interested in it? Which type of patterns do you like? Do you like uh, you, you know tassels on the end or do you want it to be straight edge? We can start asking more and more questions and those results will actually drive the, the development and design of the product itself. And so that's what we found that is actually really helpful to introduce new product, right? Uh, to, to help us identify what's gonna be successful and what's not because their goal as a merchandising team is, hey, I wanna keep building product that is gonna be successful, that's gonna have a, a high sell through rate. And so by using kind of the collective wisdom of our member base, they can get things that are just closer closer on, on target um, that people are gonna like more. And then it's obviously helpful for the members too, because they are literally saying, I'm interested in this blanket that's this color. And then a few months later, boom, that's what you get. That was pretty cool. Have you ever gotten into issues with like shipping stuff to different states? Like I know some states you can ship alcohol to like, you know, pocket knives are different in different states. Have you ever had to deal with that? We don't, well, we don't ship alcohol itself. So any of the barware stuff we do is more, you know, uh, bar enabled. There's a few things that are restricted. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to, we have to watch that. That's an extra premium membership. If you want that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Alcohol is tough to ship. There's a, it's, it's, there's a lot of extra things. There's a lot of extra steps you need to go through. But yeah, I mean, there's some things where like certain items are restricted in certain areas. And so we have the capability to, to basically just kind of black that out for, for people that live in those areas. It's funny. We were talking uh, at, in our team meeting about you guys and we said, okay, we went right from like a privacy, like it's my data, like don't touch it conversation to bespoke post. Why don't they just know what I want. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird because <laughs> I feel like we're always having these conversations. We're like, we want our privacy, but we also want our convenience, right? That's right. I mean, and it's a it's a difficult balance. I mean, we are we obviously take that pretty seriously too. And so we're always working on different ways to to figure out how to handle all of the information that we have because it's a privilege to have that information. And obviously we're using it to make the experience better. At the same time, you don't want to take advantage of that. And so that's kind of, an, it's something we do think about quite a bit too. When, yeah, speaking of like customer experience, I was talking with uh, the CTO of this company called Impulse Mobile. They do mm -hmm. like uh, chat, like conversational AI, but in the healthcare oh, yeah. space, right? They're pretty cool. But I was curious, do you guys do any of that type of stuff? Do you have like this AI chat stuff? Do you have humans behind it? Have you used robots to help customer service? It's a bit of both. We it's mostly humans, but we have features that sort of help them. So our, our, our customer experience team is um, that they have tools that sort of aid them. So it's like, hey, this person is probably looking for this type of thing. So it'll sort of nudge or push those types of responses or issues up to the forefront so that it improves their workflow. At the same time for us, I mean, it is really important to have that human touch when somebody's going to reach out to us. I mean, people are paying us money and if there's a problem, we want to make sure we get to the bottom of it. And I don't know if AI is quite there for those types of problems for us, because a lot of times, I mean, even, you know, I'll just read some messages and sometimes it's hard to really, what is this person actually asking? And so we have to, our team has to have really high EQ, you know, kind of empathize. A lot of times if there's a problem, you're not happy, right? Like you're, you're, you're reaching out because you're not happy. And so our goal is to have you walk away from an interaction with our customer experience team happier than you were before the problem even occurred. You just get such great service that, that you're impressed. I think that's hard to do completely automated, but we found that AI is very helpful in helping our agents and our team do their job better by uh, kind of helping to identify what it, how you can better help them. Yeah. It, I was blown away when I was having this conversation with him because, you know, like when you get to talk to someone who's like really knowledgeable, very deeply in one area, he was like 
all the context stuff that you're mentioning, like when stuff's very nuanced and what's going on and how the machines are responding and how they structure their profiles. I think you would geek out over that episode as far as like what's happening in the conversational AI space. Because for me, I was like blown away by how far it's I think it's we're going to get there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And maybe we are. Yeah. It's, it's coming. But it's a hard challenge and you want to feel like you're actually talking to somebody. I know. And you want it to, we also always play a dual role. We're creators, right? Or lead companies that create this technology, but we're also consumers. And so we know what it's like when we go have a bad experience with it, or it's like, oh, there's someone there. And then it's just this horrible robot that gives you like two options and puts you in an infinite loop. Agent, agent, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, It's the 2020 equivalent of like pressing like zero, 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 zero on the, on the phones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you're right. I mean, it's a tough balance. And I think, uh, I think it's, I think it's definitely getting better. We started to dabble, like I said, in using some of those tools to help our team. Um, but for now we're, 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 we're looking at every single inbound ticket that comes in. And how's your growth? I mean, I think these products are great. Uh, is your company growing fast? Where are you guys at? Yeah, yeah. Um, we've, I mean, we've seen tremendous growth in the last year. Obviously, uh, you know, e-commerce in general has seen, um, you know, a shift, a shift with with the pandemic and things like that. So, I mean, it's sad to say, right? But that's kind of just what we've seen on a macro level. I think our product is particularly conducive to sort of a stay-at-home environment. There's just a lot of products we offer that create interesting things to do while you're at home. And so uh, I, I, I think that that's uh, obviously something that, that, that we've just seen over the last year. We've seen a little bit of shift in terms of our product mix. Um, you know, I think apparel was was not up as much as some of the other product categories because people were just not going out and <laughs> wearing new clothes. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so we've seen some success uh, with, you know, kind of that shift to e-commerce. What's the, you said something like you've interesting at home activities. What category is that? Or how do I check that out? There's a lot of kitchen boxes we do. So just kind of, if you're cooking at home, you know, a bread making kit, right. Or right now we have, although I think it might've just sold out, but we have like a walk and like some things to make like Asian food at home. And so there's things in the kitchen space, but also outdoors. I mean, outdoors has actually been really successful um, for us over the past year because I think people still want to get outside in a responsible and socially distant way. And so you know, <laughs> yeah, having fun things to do like that. So, I mean, make your own beer kits, things like that. That's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. The, um, I recently got like an air fryer. This is completely. Oh yeah, we did awesome. too. Yeah. I, like, have you done an air fryer yet? Not, not, company. no, we have not, we have not at Bespoke, but I just got one in my house. Yeah. I just got one like for Christmas. My wife got it for us and I was kind of against it because I'm typically against spending money <laughs> like on, <laughs> on stuff. But I will tell you this, it has become like my favorite kitchen thing because we'll put like the chicken. Have you used it much to like cook? We just had some chicken. I mean, it tasted really good and it was quick. Yes. It was, it, it was like magic. It was I was like, you wanted, but it's still, it's still relatively healthier. At least that's what they say. Yeah. I mean, I, am, I don't know how it works. Now I kind of want to Google and figure out how this thing works. It It's crazy because I want to figure it out too, but it's like a little oven thing. It can go to 360 and cook something in like five minutes. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's pretty unbelievable, but I'm super pumped about the air fryer. You guys should do one of those as like a, I know, we should, as we your should, box. No. They're not even that expensive. Like they no, range obviously in cost, but yeah, air fryer. When new products happen, the people at the company, they'll say, okay, I got this new thing. We're talking about the air fryer. What do they pitch that to you? Like how, how would an employee that like falls in love with some product get that on the radar of the company? Yeah. I mean, we've got a team and that's basically their job is just to stay on top of trends and what's going on. And I mean, when we first started, it was just a few of us. So we were kind of just looking for anything that we thought was cool. Uh, now we have a little bit more specialization. So we have somebody who's focused on outdoors and somebody who's more focused on kitchen, but that's, that's really what they, they spend all day doing. What's kind of cool too is, I mean, now this wasn't the case when we first started, but now we get a lot of inbounds from brands that, that want to work with us. And so that's a great source as well, because we can start, we'll, we'll start getting people. And we've, uh, I mean, we work with a lot of smaller brands. That's kind of part of what we've always done. 
And so we'll get a lot of people just reaching out saying, hey, I'd love to work with you. Check out my product. Can I send you some samples? And uh, we'll start to, the team will start to put together a concept and say, hey, I think this would really fit into this new air fryer box that I'm trying to make. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, you know, this new seasoning that somebody sent me. And so how does it all come together? And uh, we, yeah, they basically pitch them. And then, uh, and then the team get, gives a go, no go. Or sometimes we'll rework stuff. So let's say I'm out, I'm camping, right? And somebody, because I go to the campground, so there's always like great people and everything. Someone sees this weekender bag and they're like, Joel, I want to buy this weekender bag. And I was like, oh, you, you know, you got to go talk to Steve. Like, can people just go on, like, do you get product referrals that way? People just want to buy the product. Do you support that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can buy anything one off as well. Oh, okay, so- cool. Yeah. So a lot of people go the the route where they fill out the profile and they kind of like checking something out each month, but you could just come and buy that weekender bag right off the site. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Let's see what else we got over here. We got another box. This is a separate box. This would be like month two, right? Yeah. This says, it's got this little, uh, says cone log cabin and pyramid. They've got these nice little like graphic, graphically designed inserts. And when you open up the box, it's an, it's a nice experience. What do we have here? A stones? Yes, a fire starter. That's actually something that I think is, re- you were asking about restrictions. That's something like we can't ship it in the air. So we can't get that to Hawaii, for example. Really? Yeah, yeah. They're pretty hard to like, I'm like have you ever used one before? A fire starter? Yeah. Uh-huh, like, yeah. Like one of these that you have to strike, like you have to really try. <laughs> This thing's yeah. not going to just yeah. like accidentally. Yeah, I know. It's not going to spontaneously combust, but for whatever it's worth. <laughs> this is great. I actually started, uh, and I had just bought like like a random one off of Amazon, and it was like, it was okay. So I, I'm, I will definitely use this. I'm excited about it. But uh, I used it to actually start a fire. Like I, I like felt so, I felt so, yeah, like a campfire last weekend. Yeah. I felt so manly, by the way. It's very gratifying, yeah. It is, it is. And then I, <laughs> I mean, I felt... I felt less manly when I couldn't get it to work and I watched a YouTube video on how to use a fire starter. <laughs> well, but, I think the back of what you were showing, it's the different ways you can build the logs too, the the card. Oh, is it? Yep. It's oh, like different ways that. to stack them. Ah, the cone, the log yep. cabin, and the pyramid. Different, strat- different strategies for your log stacking uh, endeavors. I have done the cone and the log cabin but next weekend, I'm going to see a, my very first space shuttle launch. So I'm like a Falcon 9 is going to take up some satellites. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen one before? Not in person, though. No. Me either. I've live streamed. We've live streamed them as like a company, like because we're all nerds over here. Yeah. It, it happens two and a half hours from where I live. So you're going to see it land too? Oh, yeah. We're going to see the engine boosters come back down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I think the landing is just as cool as the takeoff. I fully agree, especially because when they do the landing, they do like the double shot. So you get, and they land in sync too. They like land at the same time. That is so cool. (laughs) Okay. So we got a fire starter for, for that. We've got, let's see, solar helix. What is this thing? Oh, that's a solar light. It's a solar light. This is pretty cool. So it's like a led light and it looks like waterproof. You can pull it up so you can pull it apart. You can pull it apart. Oh, it like twist. Yeah. And it's a little cube. It's like a light up cube. Yeah. This go. is cool. Let's see. What else? All right. So this is a straight up military compass. Yep. All right. It's simple feels compass. really solid. Yeah. All right. We got a compass. I got a little coupon here too. 15% off my next order. Let's see. Oh, and a knife. Yes. Dude, you are the this is awesome. Yeah, it's interesting. Knives just always uh, perform well for us. Well, who doesn't like a good knife? I know, right? <laughs> right? This is cool, too. All right, let's see. There's more stuff. You get a lot of stuff in these boxes. Yeah, I mean, some stuff like the Weekender is just a few items. This one obviously has a lot more, and uh, it's interesting to kind of... But these are like normal boxes. Like, they're not... You guys didn't, like, overfill them for me or anything. No, no, no. Yeah, that would, that's just uh, just one of our standard boxes. A trifold camp shovel. You can throw it in your camper. I will throw it in the camper. You know what this is going to be now? My fire poker, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because I tried to use a marshmallow stick as a fire poker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they tend to be a little bit on the weak side. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you like to do when you go camping? 
Well, so far, um, just get the kids space to run around, you know, yeah. chase them. We camped, uh, we've done it twice. So both times we went to a place that was like 15 minutes from our house because we wanted to get used to it and run into yep. all the issues of like forgetting stuff. Yep. Um, and that place happens to be a farm too. So there was like a petting oh, zoo on it. Yeah. So we got, the kids got to do all of that. And uh, basically it's the, the name of the game is uh, let's not sit at home and let them climb all over us. Let's take them out and let them climb all over the world. How old are your kids? Aria, my daughter, she's almost four now. So she's like three and change, maybe like three and a half. And my son Lachlan is turning two, uh, I think next month. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Do you have kids? Do you have little ones? Yeah. I had two-year-old twins. What? Twin? A boy and a girl? Yeah. What? That's I awesome. I just had a guest on like two weeks ago that have, that have twins, a boy and a girl. It's interesting, you know, because we, we, uh, it's for us, it's all we know. We don't have any other kids. So I was like, is it hard or what? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it's like compared to one. It's hard. It is. <laughs> I, I had one and then I had two and it's, it's a lot harder. And then it's even, it's even like a third level of hard. You got maximum hard, by the way. I mean, with the exception of like John and Kate plus eight, like you got <laughs> maximum hard. Two at once is, is difficult. You know what though? I mean, I don't know because I always say, at least when they're the same age, there's, there's like economies of scale, right? You can, they're doing the same things. <laughs> like they're in the diaper changes. Like you just, it, it doesn't take as long to change. It doesn't take twice as long to change two diapers as it does one. I'm going to agree with that. Put my mind into right? a pretzel. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. See? So I just kind of like throw them together, do, 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 do one thing and then like move on to the next activity. Are they conjoined? Do you have like special double diapers for your... <laughs> they are not. It's a good idea. We could probably come up with something for that. <laughs> and has it been you know pretty like how have you looked at it as far as like influencing your products at all has it have you done like new parent boxes or anything like that yeah i mean we did we did a christmas collection or holiday collection around you know kind of a kid's shop it was the first time we've done that so we've got a decent number of parents on the team which has been amazing because it's almost been kind of a, a support group as you're going through figuring out how to handle work with kids. And then you're in this remote world. It's been, uh, it's been nice to have other people on the team that also have kids. And we've kind of been like sharing strategies. And I think there's also just a level of understanding when you have somebody yelling in the background and you have to go do something real quick. But uh, in terms of the business itself, yeah. I mean, we've, we've started introducing some products for parents and I think it also just sort of change, you know, when you're, it just sort of even changes the types of things that you appreciate maybe when you're a parent. And so it's nice to have different perspectives. You know, we have a lot of younger people on the team uh, that are a different place in their life. And, uh, and then we have people that are, you know, have children. And so it's kind of, I think it does help in terms of the actual product mix that we, that we bring to market. Yeah. You've got a lot of diverse types of consumers that also happen to work for you, which allows you to have right. like a, a nice array of products, right? Yeah. So on the, I've got some leadership questions for you, if that's cool. So on the leadership side of things, I'm really curious, like what's, what's the best leadership advice that you've ever received? Early on, somebody told us to never let one opinion sway you too much, but to take every, every, every piece of advice you get as sort of like a small nudge. And so if you start getting a lot of nudges that push you in a particular direction, then that's really meaningful, but you also shouldn't over-index to any one piece of advice. And I found that helpful. And maybe part of the context was when we started, we were in an accelerator program that was engineered to provide advice to you. Uh, so we were kind of getting, drinking from the fire hose in terms of, you know, hey, like you should do it this way or no, you should do it that way. And uh, it, it, it can be hard to really know what works for you. And I think that's part of it is, you know, it, it's important to take, to listen to that advice and to let that influence you, but not to over-index on any one piece of advice. And that sort of helped us find our footing on what worked for us and what was authentic to who we are uh, as we built the company. I like that. That's really, that's really, I fully agree with that because, or especially early on, you'll get a piece of advice and you almost feel like you need to go do something with it, but then you get enough. But if you, if you go and you go run in a piece of like a single direction, like you said, over-index on a specific piece of advice, it never, it never really works. Um, but by sitting there and just picking up on the tone of what you keep hearing and all those little nudges, that is definitely 
in my experience, what we say, like when, when I get people that'll message me, like team members or something, or we'll be on a one-on-one and they're down about like a specific piece of feedback. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, what's the overall theme? Like, if you look back the last three months, what have you been hearing? And like, okay. And we take a look at that and that kind of brings them out of that perspective of, I just got a really harsh piece of feedback. It's like, okay. Contextualize it. Yeah. Let's contextualize it because we tend to do that as humans, right? If we have 10 and we lose one, we focus on the one. And so it's really important, like bring that focus back to like, we have nine, (laughs) you know? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I tend to do that myself, right? It's like you focus on the one bad thing that just happened and uh, that, that can kind of set you astray. Do you find yourself like acting as like a coach for your teams or how, how do you, how do you keep them you know, focused or how do you help them and mentor them? Do you assign them into groups? Do you read books? Like what, what's your style? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because as somebody who, you know, was there when we were two people and then six people. And then now I, I think the honest answer is probably like, I'm kind of learning some of that because when you start and you're really small, you're sort of, it's easy to stay on the same page with everybody you're just sitting around the same table, you know what everybody's working on. So communication is not particularly important. And you're kind of just focused on like surviving and doing. And that is not necessarily the right way. I mean, we're 60 people, so we're not huge, but we're 60. That's not the right way to run a 60 person company. And so, you you know, we have to be more thoughtful in terms of how we communicate. We can't assume that everybody just sort of knows what's going on. And, uh, We also need to be more thoughtful about how we help people with their careers. Because again, like our first few hires were sort of more like peers, right? Where we were just sort of like, we got it. We got like, we can't go out of business was sort of like the only thing that we were thinking about. (laughs) I know what you're talking about, man. And so now, you know, that's not, that's not the number one driving concern, but we do want to build, we, we do want people to, to, to be able to build a career, whether it's here or whether they grow and do something else. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you, you would agree. Like I love seeing people go and do something else. That's really interesting uh, outside of what it is that we do here. And so how do we sort of cultivate people to be successful in whatever it is that they do? And that, that's just like a little bit of a change in mentality. And uh, I think, I think we're getting better at it and still learning. Yeah. It's an important culture thing. Like I've, I've like, when you have somebody and they're aligned with what, you know, what they want out of life is aligned with what their role is at the company and what we can do together. When, the, when that alignment's there, it's great. But when it's, when it's not there, um, you, you want to make sure that you help them transition because you have to put them first, right? When you put them first, and it's the hardest thing to do with your best people too. It right? is. It's yeah. so hard because you're like, this is amazing. But at the same time, you can rationalize it with if it's not aligned, you would, I'd rather have like a mediocre person who is completely aligned and like accomplishing their dreams here than, our, than like a rock star person who's like mind is elsewhere, right? Uh, I think that's true. And part of it's like, how can we help you accomplish what you want out of your career in a way that also is beneficial to the company? And I, and I think usually if you really sit down and think about it, there's a way to get there. And, and somebody, you know, somebody can kind of be participatory in what it is, how they want to grow and what it is that they want to learn. And as you talk through it, you, you can start to find opportunities to do that again, in a way that like also is still helping the company, because if it's not helping the company, it's hard, it, you, you, it's hard to, especially as a smaller company, it, it's hard to justify it. And so aligning those two things, we brought our first director of people on right as right. I think it was in March. So right as the pandemic was starting. I mean, I think right after that, we went on a hiring freeze because we just didn't know what was going to happen. So we said, like, oh, everybody did, right? right? <laughs> so it's like, we brought her on. And then like a week later, we we're like, oh, we should probably hold off on any additional hiring. We just need to see what's going to happen. But I'm so glad that we brought her on when we did, because I, I think it would, I mean, having somebody with that expertise that I can also learn from and rely on has been super beneficial because um, she's been through it. And uh, she's she's really helped as people have been remote and trying to figure out how to work in a different way, it's really helped the organization quite a bit. Um, so I think part of it's maybe just realizing where, where other people can help you out. Yes, a hundred percent. And speaking of like other people helping you out, you do this business with your co-founder, right? How do you both like create a strong relationship while also having to work through difficult problems? Like what have you learned there? Like with 
my co-founder specifically? Yeah. Like how do you like, let's like co-founder talk, right? Um, because it's a difficult thing to do a business by yourself. It's a difficult thing to do a business with another person. And you have that like sort of social credibility where like you have to build the relationship outside of the tough problems that you're facing, but then you also have to face the tough problems. Like how do you, how do you stay connected and, and close with your co-founder? Well, we started as friends. So that definitely helped, although it can hurt sometimes, but, but in our case, that was good. So we already had a relationship beforehand. Oh my gosh. I mean, we talk every day in the morning. Like that's the first thing I do is we'll have a, we'll have a phone call and just kind of, and sometimes we'll just sort of talk about what's going on in our lives. Uh, if there's not something pressing, but often there, there is something to discuss. Uh, so we stay in pretty close communication. I don't know. I mean, we just really, I think, understand each other. I think we're just, I think we've been lucky in that we really understand each other very well. And uh, I think we have a knack for what the other one is thinking. Even if I'm not going to agree with him on something, I can almost predict exactly how he's going to react to something and, and vice versa for him. So I don't know why that is. I think part of it's just learning from each other over time. And part of it's just natural chemistry. But I think we've been lucky in that sense that we're just, and we're generally pretty well aligned more times than not. There really hasn't been very much that's been terribly consequential that we haven't been aligned on. And I don't think that's always the case either. So, so I don't know if I have a good answer for you in terms of like how that, how that's happened, because other than the fact that just, it has for us. No, you described it perfectly, right? You had a, you were friends before you understood, you guys have the same principles, you understand the direction. And, and then the de- when you have core principles that you agree to, the details can work themselves out in conversation, right? Cause it's not like you're going in two completely different directions. You have the same core, core direction. And then you talking every day seems super important too. Cause I think a lot of people, they have co-founders and they were going into the office. It's hard not to, cause you walk into the office, you know, you, you walk up and you start talking to your co-founder and it's there, but to be intentional about like picking up the phone every morning and having that call and connecting, even if there's not like a pressing, just to have it as a habit, right. That keeps you close. Cause what I've noticed is in a relationship, regardless of the style of relationship, the more distance there is, from the previous communication, the harder that relationship becomes to maintain, even if it's on a scale of like a day or a week or a month or a year, right? No, that's totally right. And, you know, we didn't have a scheduled standing meeting like that until, until, until we went remote because we were just sort of naturally running into one another. And we sat, I mean, we sat next to each other. So we we talk all the time. Right. But it was more like, Hey, what do you think about this? Right. That type of thing. And so now we have that standing, that standing meeting. We're trying to figure out, you know, how I, I think, uh, I think our team has executed really well. And we just had a lot of challenges this past year. There's been a lot of supply chain issues and getting, cause you know, again, we're, we're, we're a physical product company. So if we don't, if we don't have physical product, then we can't, we can't, we can't sell anything. And there's been all types of supply chain issues and, you know, shipping carriers and things like that. So there's been a lot of challenges that we as a team have faced and we've done an excellent job of, of kind of getting through that. I think that I think that one thing being remote that you kind of lose though is sort of like those side conversations that you were talking about. And so we've been talking a lot about how do we replicate that? If we're working on a new feature for our website, in the past, you know, so, you know, you might be sitting at your desk and you walk by and you say, hey, oh, hey, what's going on right there? And there's sort of an organic three-minute conversation that turns into a 10-minute conversation that yields something really interesting. And you kind of lose that when you're when you're when you have to jump on a Zoom call to initiate a conversation. And so we've been thinking a lot about how to replicate that type of environment to still encourage the innovation because we've been great on the execution. And I think we've done good on the innovation, but I think it's harder to innovate in a remote environment versus if I'm like, hey, we got to do this, like we got to figure out how to get this this container delivered. Somebody can just go do that on their own. But if it's more like, hey, how do we improve the customer journey and things like that, that where there's not a clear solution? I do think you lose something relative to that in-person environment. Yeah. Creativity with collaboration in person is so beneficial. Right. And then we're all trying to figure out the tools and everything. Right. What are the tools? Yeah. It's hard. Have you found anything good? Oh gosh. We used something that just recently that wasn't bad. Um, That's better than what I have been hearing. (laughs) Everyone I've been asking um, says, no, no, no. Yeah. But it is hard. It took us a little bit of time. I, I think I want to do it a couple. We've only done it once, but it wasn't bad. It kind of had a whiteboard with post-its and people were throwing ideas out there. 
I want to see how it works a few more times. But you're right. It's like, what's the right tool to do this type of thing? And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I haven't heard anybody that's just found it. And so how did it, like you guys have these warehouses, I think we were talking about earlier, and then these boxes, they come from like, these. is it a partner that you like hire? Are these like your team members that are packing these boxes? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so we use what's called a, a third-party logistics provider. Okay. So it's a big warehouse. They have multiple clients and then they sort of acted our, uh, on our behalf to, to put them together. So, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. So you didn't have the issues of like all the human stuff with, I mean, well, you definitely had the issues as a business. Did they close down like for a little bit when the pandemic happened? No, we were lucky in that they didn't. I mean, I get, I see what you get. It's still relevant to us, right? Because the, the, you know, the safety of those workers while they're, while they're not W2 employees, they're still people that are working on our behalf. And so that was something that we, we spent a lot of time talking about. It's like, okay, how do you, how do you maintain safety? And the real answer is like, you have to decrease throughput. Like you, you space people further up, uh, apart, which means you can't have as many people in the warehouse, which means you just can't ship as much, you know, per hour or per day that, that you normally could uh, in the same physical footprint. And so that was definitely a challenge. You do scuba tanks. You could do like scuba yeah, yeah. air regulators. <laughs> yeah, it's really easy to work with a scuba tank on. <laughs> Right. I saw like this funny meme of this guy, like in a grocery store checkout line, like wearing a rebreather. I used to like scuba dive a lot. And uh, oh, really? yeah, yeah. So he had this rebreather air thing on. And I, I was like, that is hilarious. Cause he was completely like head to toe body suit. Protected. Safe, right? Yeah. Take I was like, <laughs> I'll tell you what, like when somebody goes like to that, like extreme, it's admirable. It's like, look at the work you put into yeah. that. It's like, you're Dedicate. a piece of art. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh man. Yes. Well, I'm super grateful that these gifts, this is the first time I've ever gotten anything. I'm, I'm so grateful, man. This is, this is like all usable stuff. McKenzie I hope and your you team. I, yeah. I really legitimately will. Mackenzie and the team, your team did like a fantastic job on this, man. Good. Was there, was there anything that we wanted to get out there? If people want these boxes, if they want to sign up for them, if they want to start getting them monthly or just go buy it one off, what do they do? How do they do that? Just go to bespokepost.com. Just go there and sign up. Sign up. You can buy one off. I mean, we also have a shop where we sell thousands of products that are not sort of these curated boxes. Um, so it's great. I mean, a lot of people get gifts, but most of our customers are actually buying for themselves. I mean, people always say, oh, these are great gifts, but 80% plus of our business is actually people signing up and self-consuming. Uh, and yeah, just go to the website. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.